Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Dr. Swan is my guest today. She is a spiritual leader, a messenger, a cosmic rebirther, and a phenomenal author of the Amazon best-selling book, Book of Sara, Jesus's Secret Wife, a work of immense depth that she was instructed to do approximately 19 years ago when Yeshua appeared to her at her deathbed. Thereafter, she spent nearly 12 years in almost total seclusion while learning secret, sacred knowledge and learning from Master Jesus. During these years, he revealed ancient secrets that have been hidden for thousands and thousands of years. She holds a master's degree in spiritual philosophy and a PhD in metaphysics and the healing arts and is the senior advisor on the Consciousness and Spirituality Faculty of New Earth University. I really hope you enjoy our talk today. It is rich in very potent information, extraordinarily relevant to our times. Well, thank you so much for being on the show because uh, you were um, spiritually led to me, truly. And uh, I know you get that. And um, it's just perfect because I know whatever we're going to talk about today is going to be spiritually guided. And those that tune in and listen, they're going to receive exactly what they need to receive and, uh, and they're going to feel it. I, I stand in that knowing. So I'm just so grateful to have you, Dr. Swan. Thank you. I'm really grateful to be here and connect with you and just, just gazing into the screen and you on the other side of the pond and the other side of the continent on the other side of the pond. I feel so connected and just through our eyes and hearts, there is already this field of divine energy that we're holding and emanating and rippling between us. So right. I think even if people just stay with us with their eyes closed, they'll feel this. Oh, I love that you said that. Thank you. Thank you. So don't listen to this while you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could start, so to speak, at the beginning, or at least the initiation of sorts, if you will, where um, you had a couple months to live. You were on your deathbed and you had some experiences, many experiences for that matter with Yeshua. And uh, I was wondering if you could just start perhaps there and take us back to that and, um, and how he told you that you were, you were the one to break these very specific seals that were ready and needing to be broken for humanity. Okay, well, just to clarify, I don't think I knew the latter part of that question until many years later, or maybe I'm still in the process of really knowing that fully. Um, it's been a very long process, so that happened actually 20 years ago, more or less, and I was in Belgium at the time, 
and I had TB and I was taken into hospital. I weighed under under seven stones, so I don't know, under under 40 kilos, 38 kilos. I remember saying to my husband one day, I look like something out of Auschwitz. And he said, maybe three weeks out. <laughs> and I knew that I was in a major spiritual crisis. Um, I had been teaching and traveling around the world, presenting and doing healing and metaphysical work for many years. But I also realized there was a point I hadn't reached of fully understanding or embodying or being connected to God, the divine, whatever you want to call it. And that this was my big test. So I already knew that basically I was dying when the doctors told me that. And actually in Belgium, they can isolate you in hospital and keep you internalized in hospital mm. when you have TB. But I found out that um, the only way you can discharge yourself is if you are a Jesuit. So I signed a form saying I was a Jesuit and that it was between me and God and I discharged myself and I went into seclusion actually in an in an old converted chapel in Cornwall and spent a few years there really going in and out of, of the darkness, of death, of communion with the divine. Um, I had many near-death experiences during that time. And after one particular night when I had many, um, several journeys in and out of life and death and each time I couldn't quite make it to the light. I always got trapped in some sort of hellish, earthly darkness until I prayed and prayed, Jesus, Divine Mother, Divine Father, Buddha, angels, come and help me get to the light here. And I had an amazing experience of going through actually the Holocaust and seeing all the trapped souls from mm. the Holocaust and I filled with golden light, these trapped souls filled with golden light and it, millions were taken through out of this sort of astral vortex into the light. And I came back obviously to my body that morning and when I woke up there was this sort of vision and sense of Yeshua by my bedside and he just said to me, break the seals. Mm. I really had no idea what he was talking about, but in my mind I just broke seals and then words started pouring out of me. Mm. And I just started writing in my journal and I wrote for about, I think it was about two years before I really knew what I was writing. I started writing from the experience of the memory of Jesus and Sarah's daughter. And then eventually it suddenly became the experience that I was living of, of Sarah, the wife. And it wasn't till, till about two or three years after I was told to break the seals that I re realized I was actually writing his secret wife's story. Mm. Fascinating. Well, your book of Sarah, I mean, I, I'm a sensitive person. I'm an open person. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a fool. I'm not just walking around believing in anything, but I'm open. And I, I do my best to look at things from the eyes and ears of my heart, but stay grounded and, and um, anchored in, in 
obviously common sense and things like that. And when I started reading the book of Sara, I got a rush of energy by looking at some of your um, photos in the book, like the Kibria and uh-huh. the um, Golden Rose of Magda. And I just wanted to ask before I go into that, what, what is the Kibria? Kibria actually is a name that was given to that piece of work by Andrew Harvey. I don't know if you know Andrew Harvey and his work. Um, he, he has been a teacher whose work I have studied deeply and someone who I've known for 20 years and became a friend. And he is actually one of possibly the most in mystically inspiring person I've ever met. Wow. He's, he's an absolute master of uh, Eastern mysticism, Western mysticism, spirituality, uh, and many other things. Language, he translates Rumi and Kabir. Mm, wow. And he's the most articulate person. He was actually the youngest ever scholar of English at Oxford and then came out as a spiritually initiated person and blew Oxford away and suffered a lot of prejudice for that. But he has written many books and uh, he and I became friends about 20 years ago. And when he saw my work, he said actually that in his feeling and opinion, this was the highest sacred work on the planet. And when he saw Kibria, which I actually put up at a uh, conference that he was doing, he, he called it Kibria, which is the divine glory or the glory of the resurrection of the divine and also the divine feminine. So it's this glorious resurrection of the divine. And, yeah. and the veils are a portal and that is a portal. So when you're in the presence of the temple veils, what happens is there seems to there's a two-way bridge, a doorway or a gateway that's opened up in which what is mirrored to you is your higher self and maybe missing fragments of consciousness or block consciousness. And so there's an exchange of energy in which you start to be given back all the consciousness that you have lost or forgotten and uh, you start to go through a massive shift. So people have very deep mystical experiences when they're in the presence of the veils. I, I received a transmission. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I mean, I, I felt it through my body and I mean, that was only like page three. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, okay. That makes it worthwhile. Thank you. Oh, it's just very, there's very potent. So that piece, by the way, just FYI is, yeah. um, uh, about three and a half meters high so you can't really get a sense of that from the book but when you're with them they are big and they they sort of move and flow because they're silk so they really do emanate mm. wow well I mean I, I I'm I'm moved to just look at it and put it on my puja and just meditate on it because there's something to it for sure and uh, it is extraordinary the, the sacredness comes through no doubt I have a couple of, uh, uh, a few friends in Italy recently and I didn't have many, I only have one book left with me. So I gave one of them the book and they pass it around, but they all sleep with it or just hold it. And they're sharing the same thing too, that they have this experience of 
of a transmission and this connection to some kind of holy divine love when they when they particularly look at the veils and mm-hmm. just feel the energy of it. it it's it's potent it's real and um we can kind of talk about it all day but again as we i've talked about in many other podcasts direct experience is what really it's all about so if you get the direct experience then you'll see what i'm talking about and you may not get it from looking at it but you'll get what you're meant to get where you're meant to get it um your writing in the book is a meter style of the songs of solomon and i'm just going to read what you say in the beginning of your book you say uh, it activates the soul and ancient memory of the divine essence and the rhyming pace is a song code that awakens dormant cells in the right brain, balances the cerebral cortexes and frequencies of deep harmony, and redirects our way of being into a more, um, a place of harm, harmonious state and the state of being that is our original divine blueprint. My question is, for those listening Maybe you could just explain first, what are the songs of Solomon? And also, what has Yeshua taught you of remembering your own divine blueprint? And I know that's a very broad and kind of heavy-handed question. (laughs) Well, to answer the the latter question first, probably that's in the book and it's... uh... Actually, that's the first of four books, so it's several hundred pages. Um, what has Yeshua taught me of my own divine blueprint? Um, ultimately, that we are the ultimate divine, or we're facets or aspects or manifestations of that. And remembering, putting together again the different lives and fragments of consciousness of that, the recalibrating, the restoring, the retrieving, the reactivating of that basically brings the pieces of the puzzle together Mm. that are like different activation codes and when they all come together what happens is we come into uh, divine harmony and divine embodiment and divine flow in which we are just being feeling and living in that and I'm sure many I'm sure you and many of your listeners have experienced that from time to time but the more we do that the more we become that and that is what Yeshua did obviously over lifetimes but particularly in the lifetime when he became famous and known as Yeshua or Jesus he was able to do that at a very young age which in his lifetime was activated and and enhanced by going through initiations and illuminations, you know, all over the world from India to Egypt to to Cornwall and France and Persia and many other places. I've even had visions of him in Scotland as a young man. So what we're here to do is to remember, to member, to get all the members of our soul consciousness in that we've ever been or ever will be together into a coherent, integrated, 
essence in which divine can vibrate and oscillate and manifest. Yeah, yeah, beautifully said. Well, I forgot the first part of your question. Oh, I, I was asking um, just regarding that meter style that you write so beautifully in the book of Sara. For those listening, maybe you could explain what the songs of Solomon are. Oh, the songs of Solomon are an incredible divine love story, a mystical love story that uh, apparently Solomon wrote over many, many, um, many years. Uh, they're far superior meter to anything I've written, absolutely. But there is a sense of that um, divine love, that romantic divine love uh, that he is singing a eulogy to. That's what we're eulogizing and that's what Sarah and Yeshua had and that's what we all hope to experience in our lifetime mm. is a fully embodied divine masculine feminine alchemy where we are living love in that highest levels of consciousness. Mm. Well, talking about his secret wife, Sarah, why was this hidden? Was it simply because he didn't want to be um, taken out or taken off the planet sooner than was necessary? You know, um, well, they didn't want her and their children to be. So what was set up was a twofold plan. And uh, the story of Sarah and her children was hidden basically behind seals, which I broke, which uh, the analogy I use are a bit like it's getting to the penthouse. So humanity had to be ready and the planet had to be ready for this information to be released so that people could be activated by the story Mm-hmm. by the fragments of DNA that they have in their own memory, in their own, own soul memory, their own unconscious, their own DNA, which couldn't happen really until now because there has been too much opposition basically mm-hmm. on the planet for 2,000 years. So uh, a, a story was set up and there are different dimensions of the story where, you know, Mary Magdalene was one of the priestesses and Mary and, and Yeshua worked together. And that was the focus that religious entities were allowed to interfere with, which they have. Yes. For 2000 years. And I'm quite sure they know the real story because there have been so many coincidences in my writing and publishing of the story because on the day I actually published this, which I think was 2011, um, there was an announcement by uh, Professor Karen Kingston of Harvard University who discovered a piece of papyrus, a fragment of papyrus, in which Yeshua talked about his wife and that announcement was made the day I published wow. the book. And I actually think I'm one of the most censored people on the planet because ever since I published the book and put uh, an, all, uh, you know, an introductory video on YouTube and started to try and promote it on Facebook and whatever else we did, it has been blocked. 
over and over again. So the views don't go up. People can't see it. People have trouble ordering the book. I mean, just an, an immense amount of stuff goes on around it. So, mm. um, you know, energetically or consciously, there are forces that know the story and have wanted to do everything to stop it coming out, including attempts on my life in all kinds of mm. bizarre ways at different times. Mm. Well, there's a lot of questions in what you just shared. And uh, what one being which you, you pretty much answered, it, could we find this somewhere? Did he direct you to where this is um, hidden as a, as a tablet or on a papyrus or on a, on a leaf, or on, a, on a, like a knotty leaf, you know, something like that? And um, I, I don't think it's hidden in that physical way, although it may be, and I would love that. That would be an amazing surprise. And I have prayed for that, but... I think it is basically hidden in our unconscious. And the people mm -hmm. I know who have read the book have all said that they remember it yeah. and that it resonates them with truth and they cry and have memories and dreams and experiences. And so I think the book actually opens the seals, not just for me bringing the story through, but for people who read the book or are in presence with the book and the story. And I'm actually writing a film story based on that with a contemporary sort of divine feminine Da Vinci Code twist right now. And that will be another level of the activation in terms of contemporary life and remembering the significance of what happened 2,000 years ago. Mm. Do you think these malicious forces, evil forces, dark forces, whatever we want to call them, not of the light, action do you think that they're blocking you because they want to suppress the divine feminine coming forward because that that that's basically it right that's basically it yeah in a nutshell yeah because I mean what they want to block the divine you know they wanted to block Yeshua which is yeah. why he met an early demise at 33 years old um, that was really the point, you know, because they cannot control Christ consciousness. They cannot control the embodiment of Christ. They couldn't control it in one person. And certainly if thousands of people start to really embody that consciousness, which the book can help in activating, then they're in big trouble. They're done. I mean, they're probably done anyway, although we're not quite seeing the final outcome of that yet on the planet. But they know that uh, time is running out. Mm. And the thing about the divine feminine that's so beautiful is that it's an emanation. It's a presence that works through you. There's, there's no yang, there's no doing, there's no pushing, there's no even real knowing. There's just a flow and an opening for something to work through you that really uh, is an incredibly magical, mysterious, um, mystical force that creates such astonishing miracles in, in so many unexpected ways mm. that they wouldn't, they wouldn't stand a chance. Mm. When we think about the Ascended Masters, the Karmic Board, Lords of Karma, and Jesus being a part of that, and many others, of course. Um, do you think, and we, we talk about, which you probably are familiar with, 
uh, the Kolke avatar, the changing of the guard. Do you feel that we are in this time now of, and we, we talked about this off podcast earlier, um, that we are moving into this changing of the guard from Yeshua to the divine mother and that it's uh, it's a new, it's a new changing of the guard. It's a new ushering of energy that is necessary for our awakening that has to do specifically with the divine feminine or the divine the feminine Christ energy. And if so, what is that? Or what has Yeshua told you or the divine mother for that matter? Um, you know, these days I am at a place where I often don't know who's telling me what. Uh-huh. It's just it's just the knowing and I more and more have come to trust that and more and more I'm able to trust that because it just plays out in beautiful ways and this is the divine feminine coming through. So uh, it's not even so much me having a dialogue with Yeshua or communion or with the divine mother. It's just me opening to the information and it's absolutely playing out it's actually running a bit late in Mm. my view this could have happened sooner i really uh think that you people who were born in the last millennium Mm -hmm. uh, a large number of people in the new age are behind in that they have had more many opportunities to wake up and step up and act in the light, but there has been an interference, misinformation, controlled opposition that has actually got in the way and a sort of delusional, self-serving, pseudo-spirituality, you know, where you maybe (laughs) think that doing a yoga course in Ubud or having a quick meditation on a temple in Mexico or a visit uh, to the Nile is enough to do it. (laughs) And we're all in the fifth dimension and we don't have fear and we don't have feelings and everything's wonderful and there is no suffering. This is is a massive um, delusional denial and it has really held things up because the New Age hasn't served the general populace in a way that was relatable or that people could believe or trust. They just looked at it and went, well, they're a bunch of flakes dancing around on a mountain with crystals and a candle and having ice baths and switching timelines. But what, what does that mean at the end of the day? Because it, because it's lacking that human connection, that feeling that resonates from my heart to your heart And when we're in the deepest, maybe most vulnerable place of our humanity, that's what shifts us the most. So my own feeling is that we could have been shifting sooner and that the sort of self-serving, selfish nature of a lot of the new age Mm -hmm. has prolonged the potential shift on the planet and still is because why is it such a struggle in so many places at the moment because basically there's been a level of selfishness and still is in my opinion where people just want this to be over so they can go back and have nice lives that's right 
and, and holidays and, and cars and, and, and material things. And I've looked at this in myself and worked on it extensively, you know, and the bottom line is that whilst we may be able to have those things and it would be great, that's not what we're here for at this time. We're here to create a complete gear shift, a shift in consciousness. You know, we're here to go from the basement to the penthouse mm -hmm. and there is no rapid elevator or escalator. We have to climb up the steps with broken bones, broken hearts, broken souls. You know, Christ consciousness is a massive illumination and initiation and it is going into the pain and the darkness and into the deepest, darkest, densest parts of our own consciousness and knowing that every time a fear or a feeling or a depression or something is triggered, that that's something in us that is being triggered that we haven't yet shifted and we have to shift. Mm -hmm. Because when we have brought light fully into all those hidden aspects of ourselves where the DNA is shut down or blocked, when we connect to that with our feeling, we activate that DNA, we bring the light to that DNA, we switch the light bulbs on in all levels of ourselves, and then we are embodying more of that Christ consciousness. So it's not about swanning around the planet in flowing white or gold robes, which I like to do sometimes too. It's really about getting down in the psychological, emotional, karmic dirt. Mm -hmm. Doing the work for real instead yeah. of pretending and masquerading like yeah. you are awake and aware and connected and doing yoga. And, you know, it's that sort of Instagrammy poser. I'm doing yoga in my string bikini and I'm awake. So yeah, the, the Illuminati or, or yeah. whatever, the Byroni Nati. But the thing is that those tools are all great to use from time to time, but it's Absolutely. not the nuts and bolts. And celebrate your body, girl. By, by God, do it. But just know the difference. Yeah. Know the difference. Yeah. Um, well, what are some of the most pressing secrets or information that you've that's been hidden that um for thousands of years that that yeshua gave you um what what is most relevant out of that information today as far as where we are at and where we are going uh i think it's that there's a reason for everything that karma is everything. So if it's if it's not your karma, if you've cleared your karma, and I look at two levels of karma, personal karma and group karma. Mm -hmm. So personal karma is when maybe, you know, your brother murdered you in another life. And group karma is when you've been a guru or or Hitler or Mao Zedong and and had a, an effect on a massive amount of people in the collective. So there, there are two levels of that karma and they have to be healed and cleared. And the only way to do that, there's no magical way. You have to go through karmic lessons. You cannot avoid them. Yeah. Believe you me, I've tried, you know, I, there was time when I knew there was a little bit of a karmic thing left and I, 
you know, my, my, my ego is I can tune in, I can figure out what this is, I can fix it. No, no, no. I had to go through a very challenging experience uh, in order to get through it and understand what it was teaching me. And then literally within an hour, it shifted in the most amazing way. So what Yeshua has taught me is these karmic lessons are so huge and the laws of karma are changing right now. And so the karmic deadline is up, you know, it, 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 we've reached that point and people have chosen to step up and face that or step out. Mm. So I think that's one of the most important things. And the other thing is that by working with consciousness on all these levels, other lives, past lives, karma, ancestral stuff, all the stuff that, you know, most of us know now, um, in our kind of consciousness that is there, that we we raise the vibration that we have on all levels, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic, so that we are we are journeying in a different dimension and a different frequency. Because the unconscious creates outside of itself in order to be healed, transformed, released, whatever. If we don't have those experiences of challenge, negativity, difficulty, denseness and darkness in our unconscious, we no longer need to have those experiences, <clears throat> excuse me, in our life. So we can get to a point, and I wanted to share this because um, I think it's such, a, it's an inspiring story for me to remind myself when it's all feeling a bit overwhelming and, and for your listeners. And that is a couple of years ago, um, my son, we were traveling through Italy and my son was flying out of Rome and we'd been very busy packing up homes, leaving home, finishing, he was finishing school and exams. And I just said to him, book your flight from Rome to Australia whenever. And it wasn't until the day or two days before and I said, what time's your flight? And he said, Five o'clock, mum, on the 31st of July. This is the worst possible day to be trying to travel around Rome. And we had to drive to Rome to get this flight. It's like trying to get out of the Ventura Highway out of LA on Christmas Eve or oh. around London on the M25. It's just, you know, 31st of July, Rome, everything shuts down, all the workers leave. Oh. Rome is locked everywhere. You don't go anywhere on that day. Even when I lived in Italy 30 years ago, we knew this. And so I went, oh, no, not five o'clock <laughs> on the 31st. How did this happen? And Yeshua said to me, don't worry about it. It'd be fine. So we cruised through Rome a couple of hours before the flight to uh, around Rome on the motorways to get to the airport. No traffic. Wow. Weird. Where is everybody? The road should be chock-a-block. Uh, left, got the flight sorted. I left the airport at 5 o'clock, which should have been the worst time in 365 days to be going anywhere. And I travelled around Rome and up to where I was going a four-hour journey and almost got there in record time. And I never saw, I never even had to slow down, never mind a traffic jam. And when I got to where I was going, I was talking to a neighbour and she said, did you come from Rome yesterday? And I said, yeah, what's going on? Don't, don't, doesn't Rome shut down? Don't people leave the city anymore on the 31st of July? 
there was no traffic. And she said, what are you talking about? My husband's a lorry driver. He drove up yesterday, left Rome at five o'clock and he sat in a traffic jam for 10 hours. Did you bend time and space or was that a parallel universe? I didn't consciously do anything except um, decide not to worry. And of course you can't always decide not to worry because if that's an unhealed pattern that you have going on, worry takes over and you can't control it. But luckily I have done enough on worry and anxiety and stress. (laughs) I was able to just choose, okay, I was told not to worry, I'm going to trust that, and I'm going with that. So I didn't consciously do anything except choose to stay in that stream of consciousness. Just like, I just let go of it. Mm. I just let go. Wow, that's just a great demonstration. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing that, because it just speaks to the power of trust and surrender. And And reminds us that we can do this. So this vibration will be going on on the planet of, you know, very scary medical interventions and consequences and everything else. But, you know, it just uh, is an amazing, for me as well, reminder that whatever news is vibrating and oscillating and coming at us from everywhere, that if we keep doing the work, um, you know, and hold that frequency. And if we can't hold that frequency, we focus and go into what is the lower frequency that's blocking us. Why is it there? What is it vibrating? What do we need to heal mm-hmm. and transform? That allows us to come back up. Yeah. To higher frequency. I, I think that's that's a that's a great segue to move into the 17 edicts of the new laws of karma that you wrote, because I feel just like you do, that if we really just do the work to keep our frequency high, to stay elevated amongst the contrast and and these these negative conditions or these just conditions that are that are not for your um, awakening. Right. Um, Although, you know, for some people, these conditions are, are at play because it will help take them off the planet because they're meant to go off the planet now. So if we keep pulling back the lens, it's all perfect, but in service to awakening our consciousness in service to moving to that pure heartedness, to that um, authentic blueprint, we can live amongst this sort of war zone, if you will, and still be elevated and navigate a clear path to our own liberation and freedom. So, I, yeah, I think that's beautifully said. And the key is staying emotionally connected. Yes. So it's not, well, I'm in 5D and none of that is my reality and it's not my movie and, you know, good luck or bad luck to them. It's really staying emotionally deeply connected to the fact that a massive exodus is in play. Yeah. And and in some ways, you know, from a lower perspective, if maybe you want to call it lower perspective, it's tragic and for people it's, it's devastating and emotional and, you know, many of us are being touched by it. Most of my family are going with that medical narrative. So 
it's really being able to expand our hearts by holding the space of emotional connection, you know, and allowing ourselves to cry and feel that. The other day, I realized I needed to get to the beach for a couple of hours because I was, I felt so stressed and I didn't know why my nerves were just absolutely, you know, absolutely wired. And when I got to the beach and away from the main roads, I was aware that I was still hearing ambulance sirens playing in my brain because there are so many ambulances. And this was really stressing me, my system out. And so I had to sit on the beach and cry and allow the feelings to come up of, there is a lot of, you know, major, major shift going on. As you say, there is a battle, a cosmic battle. This isn't just a planetary battle. This is a cosmic battle of enormous importance and significance going on and so there are times when we really need to allow that emotional space of acknowledging it 100 percent. and we're all being conditioned or it's being pressed upon us and and we all have nervous systems where we're receiving the download in our own unique way mm-hmm. and it's never been more critical in my personal opinion to take care of that nervous system, you know, that is the downloader of all this input so that you can stay rooted at the center and you can not be in a place of um, the back brain, if we just talk pure biology, psychology, we need to be in the prefrontal cortex so that we can experience that, that unification, that oneness, that, that, that calm, that clarity of sight that um that 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 ability to just see through the fog and uh but if we keep opening ourselves and create um if we make ourselves vulnerable to be victimized by all this external conditionality be it the news be it the narrative right be it Drink going. I've had Jason Kristoff on. If you know him, we talk about drinking coffee, Starbucks on every corner. Let's get you get jacked up. Let's get you wired. Let's get you in fear. Let's oh, get you in Italy where everyone's drinking oh. three or four Italian coffees a day. There you go. Right. And uh, so that we cannot literally think straight. Our mm-hmm. nervous systems are not working for us, they're working against us. Well, yeah, physical, right? Yeah, absolutely. So important you brought that up because they've been they've been massively compromised, manipulated. You know, Uh, I don't remember the water in the states, the water bottles you buy, but um, it's been pointed out to me recently in Italy that water bottled water regulation is is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so I started, uh, well, I was being shown the labels on the water bottles. Nine out of 10 water bottles, and we've maybe looked at 20 or 30 now, have fluoride in them. Oh, my gosh. So pregnant women are drinking this, kids are drinking, everyone's drinking bottled water with fluoride in 
and they think that drinking this bottled water is healthy, plus it's in, mostly in plastic, right. you know, and it's great saying, well, you can have a filter or whatever. It's quite difficult if you're moving around or you don't have a budget for a good filter. And most people, you know, restaurants have bottled water bars everywhere. So these are the things that have onslaughted our system, you know, vaccinations, parents who were vaccinated, grandparents, vaccinations have been going on for a couple of hundred years. So the DNA has been gradually, the coding of the DNA has been gradually eroded mm-hmm. and compromised. So it's very important to find the tools to help navigate this, you know, and there are, and if people want to contact me, I can, I'm certainly happy to share the things that I do, but, you know, there are bioresonance, bioresonance tools, biofeedback that I'm using, which are helping massively to clear some of that stuff. And I think the other thing that's really important is to accept that, you know, the infrastructure is falling apart because it needs to be broken down and we need a new new higher consciousness infrastructure the banks probably are going to go people need to find alternative ways to manifest financially and support themselves financially and there are ways to do that when we get aligned and because you know the guidance and intuition then will tell you okay this is a financial stream that's going to work for me and having that sorted out when you're open to alternative ways of manifesting financial, not even abundance, but survival, that takes a huge amount of stress yeah. out of your life. And so many people are struggling with that, you know, and it, it's very hard for most people. But there are things in place, the divine has put things in place which if we get open and aligned, we can, you know, they are streams of flow that we can jump onto that mm-hmm. will help us. Mm-hmm. And there is infinite abundance. So like you said, it's just, it, it behooves us to get aligned and not, not, um, we, we need to wake up. You don't yeah. have to wake up. You're going to want to wake up. So yeah, of course. Because when you get clear on your agendas, you know, stuff goes on and you ask two questions. What does that bring up for me? Or where is that in me? And you get clear on your agendas. Why do I want that? You know, do I really need that? Or is that really in my highest good or my destiny? When you get aligned to divine will, divine plan, where you bring yourself together with that, then it's easy to manifest flow because, you know, the universe is guiding us and supporting us on our mission. It goes, okay, well, they're on the right track. Now let's give them an injection of fuel. That's right. That's right. And a faster car. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I'd love to just talk a bit about the wonderful, I mean, this is, I'd love to go into this, the 17 edicts of the new laws of karma for the golden age. And this was divinely ordained and decreed by Yeshua, Christ of the closing age, and Sarah, the feminine Christ of the new golden age. And I'd love to just first break that down a little bit. It, it, as written, it says it's effective from August 5th, 2020. Is that the date of the, um, the is that the closing date of the last karmic age? Basically, yeah, that was uh, what I was shown was that was the sort of cutoff point 
where basically the message was, okay, you've, you've stepped up, you've shown willing to shift or you've done enough work that we know you're going to shift or, you know, time out, basically. It, it can't go on anymore. So at that point, there was an acceleration of the karmic clearing up. Mm, yeah. And, and how, and you talk about that as one of these 17 edicts, that there is a, an acceleration of karma taking place now on the planet in accordance with divine law. Can you talk a bit about how that's happening for people that are listening going, what do you mean? Uh, um, let me try and just get a handle on where, where to go with that. Um, basically anyone who is not acting in the divine highest good, um, is not going to get away with it. And I think there's much more going on behind the scenes than we know. There's, there's sort of two levels of reality at least mm -hmm. going on right now that we're, we're observing. And one is the stories that are coming out in, in mainstream, but also alternative yeah. media. And there's a lot of theatricals going on and a lot of misinformation. A lot of stories that I actually think have already played out. So I think behind the scenes, a lot of the karmic dross is already, has already been taken out mm. or is being taken out. But one thing is for sure that if it hasn't or isn't already being taken out, it's going to be, it's not going to last. Mm. It will only last as long as there are people who need to experience those karmic lessons. Mm -hmm. Or until we reach... Uh, tipping point, critical mass, when we reach critical mass and enough people have learned the karmic lesson, you know, for example, being locked down or having some kind of apartheid storming into your life and um, threatening your livelihood or your well-being, why might you need to experience that? Well, maybe you haven't, you know, maybe some people haven't cared enough about that going on. Right with other people or in other parts of the world in the past. So they need to have the lesson of what that's like to understand that, you know, we're one family, one whole family, and this is happening to our children and brothers and sisters in various parts of the world and has been for some time. So there are all sorts of subtle karmic lessons that the people are having to learn as well as from past lives. But, you know, the, the higher consciousness, the new paradigm is such that we have to be living with that level of care and sensitivity to all sentient beings. Mm -hmm. How long or has you, have you been shown how long this new karmic cycle will be? Um, I believe that it's at least... Um, one processional cycle, which is probably 2,200 years. Okay. Maybe after that it will last. But what has happened is, you know, in the past we were in, we were in a karmic descending cycle where, you know, we went down through uh, the demise of Lemuria and down through the end of Atlantis, and this has been descent, descent, descent. Okay. Even 2,000 years ago was another massive descent for the planet. I mean, there was basically one 
major light, but uh, that was um, that was let's say um, inhibited and fragmented. And so now, two thousand years later, we are collecting those fragments of the light, embodying them, and activating them. Activating them, and if enough of us activate and gather those fragments of light, Christic, Christess consciousness, we can amplify that on the planet enough that everything, all sentient life on the planet, raises to that frequency. And then, as long as we hold that frequency and live in that and be in that on the planet, that will survive, and that is the potential of the golden age that we can go into ascent. So we've been into descent, and we may be at the lowest point of the descent, or almost. But you know, we're turning the corner. We're pulling this back up, and the more of us that step into that. Christ, Christ's consciousness. The more we pull that up into an ascending cycle, that's incredibly hopeful. So, and and reading the seventeen edicts, it's incredibly hopeful. And I'm just going to read a few here. And if you want to comment on any of them, it's it's just like a breath of fresh air. And the magna, the new magna carta. Boy, how can we get that into every single leader's hands? Um, and then I have a few com- comments about that, because if you're not awake and if you don't care and if the consciousness isn't there and we give them like the golden chalice, you know, they're not going to f- see it as such because they're just absolutely blocked. So then I go, well, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Um, but here, here we go. So the seventh edict here is on medical abuse. Commitment to do no harm is hereon rigidly binding. Hereafter, no stringently adhering to uphold, protect, heal, and treat all patients with the most beneficial cures, therapies, remedies, interventions, with respect for the sanctity of all life, the purity of products, and right use of interventions will be met with the severest consequences in commensurate detriment to self. All practitioners are required to share all research, including non-corporate, non-government funded research papers with patients, divulge the truth and not be controlled by vested interests or threat of loss of jobs. Those who uphold these new laws of karma will be protected by the divine. None may ignore or circumvent this decree. So doing will unleash and be subject to the full wrath of the divine feminine Christ and reap rapid, dire, divinely decreed consequences. Well, hallelujah for that, because, you know, we say karma means action. What comes around goes around. But it's really nice to read this and know that this is in motion. This is in motion and this is happening. I think the key thing for people is that everyone has to play their part. Right. Everyone has to do their bit. So it's not, well, let's sit back and hope that Trump brings in Nasara and Jasara and he's taking care of everything so we can just sit here you know, with our crystals and candles emanating love and light. I don't think it works like that. 
So I do believe that's happening, but within that, you know, there is a monopoly board and we are all players on that board. There's no get out of jail free card here. You know, there's no, you know, you have to pass go to collect your 200. You have to take the right steps, throw the right dice, do the right moves. Right. Right. I'm just going to read here the Magna Carta so people can hear it. The new Magna Carta. Every person on earth is subject to divine law and the new karmic laws of the new earth, guaranteeing the rights of every individual to justice and a fair trial, non-biased legal and judicious systems to which leaders of any ilk are also subjected equally Habeas corpus, i.e., I have a body, I have total fundamental rights, is to be rigidly adhered to and obeyed. The denial of this by any government or authority will result result in the feminine, excuse me, in the divine feminine implementation of total loss of all abusers' own well-being and personal power. And I go, well, we are seeing a taste of that with people that have come forth and um, um, they're either been taken out or they've been jailed or they've been ostracized or they've been uh, replaced. And the list goes on and on. And um, my hope, of course, is that all those that are pushing this, the the sort of the dark agenda or the lies or the misalignment or whatever you want to call it. My ego hopes that they have their, their time here while they're embodied, but my soul spiritual beingness, my higher self knows that whether it happens in their lifetime here, it makes no difference because it, it will be taken care of and when in their next lifetime in, in the other dimensions, and it will all be balanced here in this reality. So, well, yeah, I think so too, you know, and how it's going to finally all resolve itself. I don't know, but this, this, you know, that story of my driving around Rome and, and having a different experience to someone who was stuck in a traffic jam for 10 hours, I think, really exemplifies how possibly it could go where we are living in different realities, maybe on the same planet. But, you know, it really boils down to all kinds of lower feelings. But the main thing is fear, you know. The main thing, I think, is fear and responsibility. So, you know, what is the fear? The fear is that, you know, my children will be harmed or you know, I'll lose a loved one or they'll come and get me, you know, they're coming to get you, ha, 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 ha. All those fears, fears from past lives, have to be acknowledged, confronted, dealt with and transformed. And then we don't need to have that experience. So we're not vibrating on an unconscious level fear which magnetizes those negative experiences and there's another really important thing and that is absolute total 100% fierce radical self-honesty and responsibility 
So where have I been selfish? Where have I been cruel? Where have I been inconsiderate? Where have I maybe not been awake enough that I didn't teach my children enough in time? Mm. You know, that's a big one for people who have children growing up and, and the children are saying, well, we need to get vaccinated to get a job because, you know, the millennials who are awake, whose parents have really managed to instill in them or help them understand what's going on, get it. Right. So, you know, there's one thing and it doesn't mean it's over, but if you're looking at your your offspring or particularly with children, I think this applies because we can't help what parents or siblings or other people in our families might do. But I know a lot of parents are very distressed at the moment about this with, you know, growing up children who are facing the threat. And when we go, okay, where was I 20 years ago? Where was my mind 15 years ago? I am looking at my own failings in waking up and taking action in time and taking responsibility for that. When we acknowledge that, when we fiercely are honest with ourselves and look in the mirror and where we maybe haven't done enough and we acknowledge that and heal that within ourselves, then we can transform the need for that to play out in our life. Mm-hmm. So we're not jammed and paralyzed by, oh, the fear, you know, they're going to come and get get them. They may, you know, some of, some of our family members and offspring, we may not be able to help. But what we can do is heal ourselves enough by looking at what really what our own failings have been, where we haven't cared enough about what's going on around us and on the planet. Mm-hmm. As you're talking, it makes me think of one of my teachers, uh, John Roger, who's passed on and I talk about from time to time in my episodes here. And, and you know, he'll say, you got to be God to yourself. And being God to yourself is being good to yourself. And it's like, oh, sure, you're being God to yourself. You're going out and you're porking out and stuffing yourself with shit. And you're, you know, drinking the booze and, uh, you know, getting blitzed and uh, you're you're cursing yourself to the day is long. And that's not being God to yourself. That's not being good to yourself. And that's not the way to really healing and awakening and that 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 Christedness that you inherently know you want to experience and you can give it those listening you can give it another word if you if christ it doesn't work for you it's not a religiosity type of thing it's an awakening it's an awareness it's a it's a it's a it's 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 a a divine heart uh, experience of of your true nature so so it's like yeah we we are getting um, there's so many distractions and it's, it's this push to pull us off our, our game of being God to ourselves. And if we can't be God to ourselves, how can we be good to our children? How can we, how can we direct them on the highest, most elevated path? 
we can't because we're, we've literally got the blinders on and we don't even know we put them on ourselves. Or they were put on us and, and right. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a complicated um, situation for sure because um, it's such a struggle for some people and they literally have been, you know, blinded and deafened to truth. So I, uh, one of the things is to get beyond isms, what I call isms. So, you know, it's not just about doing all the right things because, you know, you can buy as many candles and crystals as you like and be a vegan and, and sit on a mountain meditating and doing yoga all day, but shit will still happen if you right. haven't dealt with the things you need to deal with. And so I'm fully against isms. Um, it's about... Um, as I think it's about self-love and self-respect. So what is good for me, my body right now? And uh, I've noticed for myself and one or two other people I talk about that the, the lessons are more and more instant and more and more acute. So, you know, maybe in the past there were certain indulges, indulgences you could get away with now and then, but now it's so important to clean up everything and get our vibration clear and not pollute the body on any level. Mm-hmm. I any really want to that. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I mean, I'm and not... That doesn't mean not eating meat because some people actually might need meat good meat, not, not, you know, hormone, antibiotic, chemical fed meat, but some people actually might need meat if they're going through a lot of Kundalini activity. Sometimes you really need red meat or, you know, if, if your body has been depleted in some way. So I'm not anti-meat. I actually say, you know, look, at, look at the Kundalini diet and what helps with Kundalini and eat healthy food, but what is good for your body and really take time to check in with what the body needs now, you know, and there are bioresonance tools and if people want the link, I'll send it where they can try for two weeks and they have a whole system where they can check these things out for themselves. And I'm so glad you right brought that up because, you know, as a, as a energy facilitator myself, I, I am starving for red meat after a day of doing, you know, three or four sessions. And I'm walking through people's fields for two hours at a time. And it's a lot. And I love it. And, um, and it's just, it's, 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 I'm so, I'm so grateful to be doing this work. But even my mentor said, you're going to be craving. Watch, you guys, the vegetarians out there, you're going to be craving red meat after this work. You'll see because you're going to need that for your red blood cells. You're going to need that to be grounded. You're going to need that for energy. And she's right. And and, and depending on your blood group too. So. Yeah, that's right. And I was... This prejudice that some people who are fully into some of the isms have where there's a self-righteousness, you know, if you're not being a vegan or a vegetarian, yeah. then you're not conscious, is, is something also that has to be reconsidered. Yeah. There's a woman, Joan Borensenko. I'll have to get her on the show at some point. And she's, she's brilliant. And I remember her talking about this in a, in a, at a conference years ago. And I think she talks about it in a couple of her books where you I know, love Joan Borensenko. She's, yeah, she's amazing. And she says, you know, 
one being a vegetarian may work for one person, but being a vegetarian for another person could be absolute poison to their yeah. system. Yeah. And I can relate to that because I was a vegetarian, a vegan for seven, eight years of my life. I've never been sicker. I've never been more depleted. I, 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 I never been weaker. Uh, I've never felt more sort of like I was leaving the planet. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be present. I, I felt terrible. I felt weak. I was sick. I was yeah. depleted and, uh, and it doesn't work for my system. And so, yeah, there is a way you can eat meat in a very uh, sacred way. And yes, bless your food, get the cleanest food and, and trust that even that animal um, gave his life for you. And, uh, there are ways well, they, they have their own karmic cycle that they're also going through in order to move on to different new, higher, more advanced levels of consciousness, you know, and, and my experiences, plants and flowers and vegetables and fruits also have a soul and a spirit. hundred percent. Yogi Raj Gurunath, he talks about that where he says, you know, go pick up an apple. It's like the apple's going to be screaming, going, don't eat me. They have a nervous system. Oh, I'm here for you and I'm delighted to be of yes. assistance. And yeah. Yeah. So even better. I, I like your version much better. <laughs> well, I think both exist and that's the thing. So, you know, when when is that harmonic resonance of you with whatever the food is then there's a synteny that works and and there's an alchemy that happens that's right that's right so enough with the generalities of what everyone should eat and and the directives i guess i should say uh, because uh, everyone is uniquely different and you just don't know a person's chemistry or needs by just looking at them and saying stop eating X, Y, and Z. Well, Dr. Swan, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners that is on your heart that you feel would serve this unfoldment and alignment and acceleration? Um, I have the feeling that really we've covered so much and it's been amazing talk and I'm sure we'll come back in the future and do more, but the thing that people most need now is, it's, is a hope in the sense of a way to navigate through this, which we've definitely talked about. It's not a narcotic hope, but a real sense of being doing everything to be empowered, to take right action in the right moment, at the right time, in the right way. Mm -hmm. which comes from doing everything we've talked about and being prepared, but doing our bit every day, not going along with any of the drama or any of the dark control out of fear or even laziness, Yeah, you know, and choose the battle, obviously. <laughs> we can't do all the battles all of the time. But if we're not vibrating fear and if we are in trust that there is a divine plan, which, believe you me, I've had many times of, of not trusting and losing hope in that, but every time Yeshua says to me, there is a divine plan, trust the divine plan. 
I see it coming together more and more in my life, you know, and I should be dead. <laughs> I should be dead many times. And I could have been dead many times and that might have been okay, except I was needed to be here, certainly to be a mother as well as a few other things that I'm doing. I think that every time we go through that darkness, we are stronger and more connected and more supported and more in the light and more able to, you know, like a boat, just move through the water, creating a wake behind us that leaves a stream of consciousness and energy that is vibrating around us. And we can't always do that. So to take care of ourselves too, when we can't, mm. but to show up, to show up for people, that's the big thing, you know, and I went through a big challenge uh, earlier this year where I actually decapitated my femur and ended up in a hospital, in a very challenging hospital, where there were more, let's say, medical staff of, you know, medical control consciousness, and that was very challenging. So uh, what was amazing to me was what did show up and how I was able to navigate that because I had done so much physical clearing as well as other clearing on myself, but also the amount of people who could have shown up who didn't, you know, who suddenly weren't available or didn't write to see how I was or ask if I needed help. So it, for me, that was a real cleansing of, you know, and recognition of who and what I need and want in my life and how that has to move forward. And that's what we're being shown too, you know, and we have to be pretty, pretty radical with the clearing out of our homes and bodies and of our relationships. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a big one. I can, I can just relate to everything you're sharing in this whole talk today. And uh, I just, uh, before we go, it makes me think we had mold in our, in our master bedroom and uh, in the closet. And it was, it was just another, I found it, it sounds so trite and unimportant, but it was such a spiritual experience for me because there is so much stuff in there and we've got stuff in boxes and boxes that we've taken out and clothes and items. And I'm looking at all of it and I'm going, this is just dead energy. I don't even want this anymore. I, 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 it was like the, 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 the closet was like a portal that needed to be cleared and, and the mold was the vehicle. That's what happens. And remember mold is energetic. So you've got those mold entities and energies. Mm. We love to attach to all of that stuff and energies and entities attached to clothes and furniture and walls and lights and everything. So, um, mm, and it was in the walls. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I, I vacuum walls regularly. Mm, interesting. And as that was happening, I felt the clearing of yeah. all these things that kind of went with the theme of that and conversations that I've never had with people took place, clearing conversations and, and the freedom in myself to speak 
the integrity of my truth with others. And regardless of condemnation, regardless of how they took it, um, and in a, in, a, in a balanced and a kind heart-centered way, but just the freedom to speak my truth, like this, this needs to be cleared and this needs to be cleared. And the, the things that are these items that are of energy and experience, whether it be a dress that I wore to an event where I had a really bad experience with like an ex-boyfriend, right? That needs to go, right? And it's sitting in my closet and it's like, it's like mold, it's moldy. And, and these lower vibrational things, something as seemingly as trite as some of your things in your closet, they, we don't even, we're, we're at a place, I feel, where it's like, yeah, even that holds great gravity and there's no more place for it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, if you order products from countries where there is a more controlling consciousness, Mm-hmm. or through certain, you know, major online portals. Some yeah. of the energy on some of the stuff is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess we could just leave it at that. Just have <laughs> It's all energy, consciousness, energy, and vibration. And, yeah, yeah, we... I didn't know we were going there, but these are very important uh, points that yeah. you're making. And, and ultimately, this is the essence of who we are and, and certainly our work and where we work from it's, and, and how we are ultimately living and creating. It's, it's all energy. So whether you and believe it's all, alive. it's all alive, it's all alive. Yeah. So if we want it to be alive and vibrating in a beautiful way, we have to. You know, it has to be created, produced, marketed, and, you know, enjoyed with with love and sacredness. Amen. Well, Dr. Swan, this has been uh, a, a blessed transmission of information and sharing and communion. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to yours. And all your information will be in the show notes. And um, I just, I can't wait to do this again with you. Oh, me too. I love talking to you. It's easy and a beautiful flow to converse with you. And uh, great, great, uh, great alchemy. And I'll put together maybe a page with, you know, links that people might want that they can get from us and send you those too. Beautiful. Those will be in the notes, guys, when you look at the description. So God bless you and I'll be in touch. God bless you. May we all be brought into the sacred order of light, energy and information. Hey, guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.